0: taking up a variety of topics, as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. My guest today is Ray Dukey. He is Managing Director at K2 Intelligence Fin with more than 25 years experience in compliance, integrity, risk monitoring, and management. His experience spans multiple industries with focus on financial services, life sciences, real estate, and construction. We take a look at fraud audits in the age of coronavirus and the reopening of the national economy. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today I'm joined by Ray Dukey. Ray is a Managing Director at K2 Intelligence FIN. Ray, first of all, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me.
1: No worries, Tom. Happy to be here with you today.
0: Uh, So, Ray, could you start off by telling us what is your role at uh, K2 FIN?
1: So, uh, I joined K2 uh, last fall as a Managing Director. I focus on uh, helping clients, both in the the public sector and the private sector, uh, assess, investigate, mitigate fraud and integrity and regulatory risks. Um, Some of the primary things that I do is help them conduct audits, monitor, investigate fraud, waste, and abuse, also help them develop uh, anti-fraud programs and controls to prevent or uh, detect uh, fraud, waste, or abuse.
0: Ray, uh, that phrase, fraud, waste, and abuse rolled off your tongue like you've said it about 200,000 times previously. Um, many of my listeners may have heard it several times, but I suspect the American public is about to hear it a lot more over the next 12, 24, 36 months. And so, uh, and that, that, of course, is based upon the huge input of injection of uh, money into the U.S. economy, both in terms of the stimulus package, the administration put forward, but also in purchasing things such as uh, PPE and other uh, health-related equipment and services around the coronavirus health crisis. I say all that by way of a long-winded introduction of what do you see as some of the top challenges for compliance professionals in your specialty?
1: Uh, thanks, Tom. That's a, a great point and an and interesting question and very relevant in the time. I think, you know, first of all, let me say, I think fraudsters are like chameleons, right? They change their appearances to take advantage of the current environment. Um, and the global pandemic uh, to me has presented lots of opportunities for fraudsters to take advantage of. In, in the recent months, uh, you may have seen some of these media reports as well, Tom. There's a vast ranging fraud schemes, uh, all of which I think present some interesting challenges for our compliance professionals. Just recently, I was reading an article that the, the state of Washington reported that unemployment fraud uh, may hit uh, about 650 million. Um, shortly thereafter, the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, uh, issued a warning regarding fraudsters claiming filing false claims for unemployment benefits for those who uh, have not filed their claims yet. We've also heard reports that certain foreign government officials. Are taking advantage of the situation as well. They're setting up uh, fake COVID charities to receive contributions um, or quote unquote contributions, which are in fact bribes from uh, corporations. Um, in April, uh, we've seen an interesting uh, case uh, in, in this time, and that is a financial reporting case, a financial reporting fraud. China based Luckin Coffee disclosed that its chief operating officer. And several other employees fabricated over, $310 and ten million in sales. Um, around the same time, the SEC and the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board issued a statement or warning that this is a, a, a you know cross border investing um, presents some significant risk for uh, corporations and investors in that you know as foreign jurisdictions don't have the same level of disclosure requirements. As, as companies in the U.S. do. So I think all of that kind of presents some interesting challenges for, for our compliance professionals today. One, we're seeing that there may be a lack of availability of information to conduct adequate diligence on those clients, customers, um, or employees, new employees that are coming on boards, or even vendors that are critical to the organization. Uh, we're also seeing a lack of uh, the ability to conduct on-site audits or visits at some of these critical vendors, and that's presenting some interesting tra- challenges over the long term. And and lastly, um, you know, a subtle point, but a, but a very powerful point, and that is, in this environment, there may be greater incentives or pressures on on owners or management of organizations to falsi- falsify financial information in order to one meet their investor expectations or to obtain financing, as you mentioned and to take advantage of some of these government funding and loans. So all, I think, which presents some interesting challenges.
0: Ray, on the next question I'd like, it's going to be a two-part question, but it's pretty broad, so I'm going to break it into actually two questions. And the first is from a uh, programmatic uh, uh, level, on a much more holistic level, what kinds of conversations are you having with your clients about what they need to implement around compliance for these issues as we begin to move out of the depths of the health crisis, perhaps into the reopening of the economy?
1: Yeah, great, great question again. I think, you know, the conversations that I've had so far with our clients have been, you know, one overarching comment is that we should be, pre- be prepared for the unexpected. Um, and I know that's that's sometimes a, a, bit, a bit difficult, uh, but there, I think there are some fundamental things that uh, clients need to, to do and take advantage of. And that is one, understand where the vulnerabilities are. Um, you know, the times are changing to some extent. Um, a company's operations or their financial management may be changing because of the, the COVID situation. And as a result, the risks may be different. And so, we are encouraging our clients to refresh their risk assessments if they if they've already done one to, to refresh it to to address some of the the new and uh, interesting uh, opportunities and and then second, um, you know once they have it handled on what what the the, the fraud risks are, uh, you know communicate that out to their folks right so everywhere in the organization from frontline sort of uh, professionals that are handling some of the day-to-day touch points with customers all the way to the back end a uh, reporting of those transactions in the company's books and records remind those individuals that you know that there there's still opportunities for fraud and and to be vigilant and mindful that fraud can occur in the organization and i, I think a third item would be you know just have a, have an incident response plan right so in the event that something does go wrong um what should you do to, to immediately uh, respond uh, to those situations appropriately? And we've seen some instances where there have been cyber uh, hacking and cyber frauds and criminals are, are taking advantage of organizations. It's extremely important to have an incident response plan in the cyber capacity as well as in the broader compliance capacity. And and I think some of the things to, to you know, organizations don't really think about, uh, Tom, I think, you know, it's been normal operations for some time, and then all of a sudden they, they may run into regulatory risks because now they're receiving government funds, whereas in the past they have not they have not been subject to regulatory scrutiny. And so that's just one example of the, the new and changing environment, business environment for organizations to, to refresh their risk assessment, refresh their misconduct um, assessment.
0: Ray, I found it really interesting that you sort of led with that point. Last week, the Department of Justice released a 2020 update to its Evaluation of corporate compliance programs. And the, one of the first things they said was a much more robust, not necessarily, I shouldn't, shouldn't say robust risk assessment, but a more ongoing risk assessment and moving to, I don't think about it as a one year, three year, three month, six month. Be much more programmatic about it. And when you see risk changing, whether it's because of a new market, new product, new service, new something, or new regulation, or new injection of capital. Uh, all of those are great reasons to, to assess your risk at that point in time. So I found it really interesting that uh, you really think that's, that's one of the keys at this point in time. And now if I could turn it to some more tactical steps. Once again, what are some of the conversations you're having with your clients on some of the specific tactical steps? Perhaps as we move to a new phase—I hate to say uh, the new normal—but at least a new phase of where we are in the coronavirus health crisis.
1: Sure, Tom. Uh, again, I think you know there, there are probably uh, you know lots of things that organizations can be doing uh, tactically in response, but but I think you know a couple of things that I've heard specifically are around. Clients struggling with um, receiving full or complete set of information uh, regarding their vendors or third parties or their customers. Um, You know, typical sources that they may have relied upon in the past may not be available. And so we've seen clients reaching out to us and organizations like us asking for our assistance in tapping into some of the the large uh, databases or data sources that are publicly available and also not, not publicly available in some instances, and, and could be just human intelligence. And so they're reaching out to firms like us, asking us for help in assessing the integrity risks and concerns with their vendors. Um, in certain cases where certain of those third-party uh, intermediaries or high-risk vendors are operating in foreign jurisdiction, they're reaching out to us and asking for help in with local resources, perhaps, to provide some of that requisite knowledge and insight regarding, uh, you know, potential integrity concerns in the local market. So see that as one area. Um, I mentioned earlier that I think the inability to conduct site visit or audits, um, given that many of the operations are closed. What we're doing now for some of our clients is we're, we're conducting what we're called virtual office visits, right? So we can't go out there, but we're conducting the visits virtually through Zoom or Skype or, on, uh, you know, a net meeting. And and the purpose of those visits, they're sort of a precursor to an actual visit. I, I don't think that we can, Tom, we can replace an actual office visit and that, that you know, one-on-one contact and interviewing of, of an individual. But what this allows us to do in this, in this pandemic is to have the ability to have a discussion with the vendor and their management and from that make a determination um, and obviously reviewing their documents as well. And then from that, make a determination, whether we think that there, there may be indicators for a follow-up uh, specific, uh, you know, visit, office visit. So I think that's a, that's a, you know, a review of documents and and that virtual interview uh, helps to address that. Uh, you know, another area that, that I think uh, many organizations don't really, uh, you know, pay keen attention to, and that is their their financial controls. Uh, I think it's sort of set up our controls, make sure it's functioning uh, efficiently, right, and and set it and go, right. <laughs> that's that's the uh, mindset. But that is perhaps the one area where you have a, a great ability to spot check things and identify potential fraudulent transactions. A lot of times these frauds, the, the evidence is in the hands of the accountants or the, the finance folks and they don't know what to look for. And so having those individuals understand the risks as part of the risk assessment, step one. Step two, enhance the controls around those frontline personnel that are, you know, touching the information that's coming in from clients and vendors. They're there they have the ability to to screen and review those transactions in great in great detail. So providing guidance to those individuals about what to look for, what can go wrong, what are the fraud schemes, and, and having, I think, another thing is just to have that secondary set of eyes on transactions. So, I, you know, back in, in the day when Siemens had their issue uh, around FCPA, you had um, this discussion of the Siemens uh, the four, eye, four eyeball system, right? So it's two individuals that had to look at every transaction before it moved forward. Um, obviously, the issue there was management override of controls. So that throws everything out the window. But I think reminding folks that take a second look at certain transactions, spot check transactions, also having some of the, the, the financial planning and analysis personnel. You know, have them do some horizontal and vertical analysis. That's just means simply looking down and across the financials to spot potential uh, variances our outliers in certain cost categories or cost line items. And from that, you know, un- you know, really, really assess: Does that make sense? Does these metrics make sense given what's happening in the environment? Are costs truly going down, or, or income or revenues truly going up during this period? And, and investigate those uh, matters and, and really get to the bottom of whether they make sense or not. And so just just a few things, Tom, just to, to uh, you know give you a sense of what I've been recommending to my clients.
0: Ray, uh, picking up on your last point on internal controls, would now be an appropriate time to even do a gap analysis to determine both are there any gaps in our controls? But also, do we have controls that really are either no longer relevant or that we actually can't fulfill because of the current status? And there I'm thinking of if you have a control that requires an in-person visit. And you you physically can't do that. Uh, If you don't do that, you've now violated your controls. Uh, If you haven't noted that or justified it or or had uh, documented your exception, you know, that that could conceivably be a violation. So would now be an appropriate time to, to do a gap analysis or is some other time more appropriate in your mind?
1: No, I think it's absolutely appropriate. And, you know, I mentioned at the outset as uh, one of the things that organizations should do is the risk assessment. So I see the risk assessment and the control assessment or gap analysis, as you call it, they they go hand in glove, right? Um, Once you've identified the risk, your next logical step is to then determine whether you have adequate controls to mitigate those risks. And then what's your your residual risk or, or end risk? And I think That's a perfect opportunity to to, now it's a perfect time to do it because you need to understand that the times are changing and your operations are changing and subsequently your risks are changing. And so opportune time to, to do the risk assessment and also evaluate your control environment.
0: So, Ray, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but this has been a fascinating exploration. And, frankly, as the economy reopens and we move into whatever later phases we're in, in Qs 3 and 4, I hope perhaps I could uh, call upon you for some uh, additional guidance for uh, my listening audience.
1: Absolutely, Tom. It was a pleasure being with you here today. Um, I think you know we have lots more information that's available on, on our website, K2.com, k2intelligence.com got great information on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. So if for you and your users to uh, jump on board and and learn more about our our K2 family and and what we do.
0: Well, thank you again. Welcome. Take care. Hello everyone. This is Tom Fox. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of compliance and coronavirus. This podcast posts three times a week at 10 AM on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of each week. That's 10 a.m. Central Time. I hope you will check out our episodes as we post during this health crisis and economic dislocation. This month on The Compliance Life, I am featuring Ryan Robillet, who talks about his journey to the CCO Chair. I hope you'll join me for another episode of Compliance and Coronavirus, where I bring clarity and sanity to the business executive and compliance professional around these most serious issues.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.